The Commissioner's Cup has been distributed. James Kay was on the scene and is here to tell us all about it. Locked on Women's Basketball starts now. You are Locked on Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Well, hi there, everybody, and welcome to Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Megdahl, founder and editor of The Next, where we do incredible work covering all aspects of women's basketball, 24-7, 365. Go to thenexthoops.com, subscribe. It's $9 a month, $72 a year. You are supporting the work of vital voices in this space, like James Kay, who was there to cover the Commissioner's Cup last night between the Las Vegas Aces and the Chicago Sky. For those who didn't see, 93-83, Las Vegas came up with the win captured the commissioner's cups we're going to talk about that how it happened whether it is redeemable as a process for a five-game series which is ultimately what's going to take to go win a WNBA title and what we learned about both teams going in to this final stretch of the season but the place I want to start is take me inside what this felt like first of all from a perspective of it's a playoff game, but it's not a playoff game. It's a new thing, but it's now a year old. What was the atmosphere? How did it feel in the building, James K? Tell me. You know, it was great to see Wintrust come out. I mean, all the people in Chicago come out to fill up Wintrust. I mean, I think it was just a tick below 9,000 people at the game. So for that on a Tuesday night, when you have Wintrust that full, even when it's 7,000 fans, it's loud in there, Howard. It's loud in there. I mean, it felt like a playoff game, probably maybe a tick below that too. Um, but at the same time, both of these teams wanted to win. Both, I know Candace Parker and Asia Wilson both talked about wanting to get that money. And I do think that this is that's so important to the players right now when you're not paid your full worth to get paid in other ways. So, yeah, I mean, it, it felt like a playoff game. And, you know, Becky Hammond in the pregame presser had just had a different energy to her compared to what, what I've seen from her in other press conferences. She just seemed very intense, very, um, yeah, just locked in. Um, and it was kind of crazy just to see how, just to see, like, the change in personality almost, honestly, from her. So it was, yeah, you could really feel that intensity throughout the game. I mean, it's great to hear. It, it's so much... Like playoffs are very much an American construct anyway. You know, if you follow international soccer and you see that like there's no like Premier League playoffs to capture uh, the Premier League in England. It is uh, who has the most points at the table at the end of the year. And that's it. You know, and then there is this playoff. There's the FA Cup, which has obviously been around an extraordinarily long time. But it's almost the history as much as anything else that provides the impetus for that mattering. And so I admire it. I don't think there's a reason to say, oh, well, it's not how it's done, so we shouldn't do it that way. The WNBA itself is an exercise in this is not how it's done, and we're going to do it in a fundamentally different way. But in year two, it it does. It feels like they're starting to 
gain currency. And by currency, I'm not referring to, of course, the Coinbase currency that was given <laughs> to the players. Uh, you know, that one was a little bit troubling, right? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm curious what the players have to say about the crypto aspect of this, just given how that started to fall off a little bit. Um, honestly, I was like doing a gamer for the Chicago Tribune. So I was, or game recap for the non-journos out there. But so I wasn't even thinking about it from the crypto standpoint. But yeah, I do think that people just start, have really started to understand what this actually is. Year one, even as a journalist, I had a really hard time having a ton of interest in the Commissioner's Cup just because it wasn't really laid out in a way that I could grasp early on in the season and just run with. And for them to honestly, even putting the icon of the Commissioner's Cup um, trophy next to each of those Commissioner's Cups games at the beginning of the year, that that helps. I think the fans were able to understand that a little bit more and yeah, again, I, I'm always going to be in favor of the players being able to get more money in it. When I mean, even if it's an exhibition, which James Wade was like, no, this is a championship. I'm like, this doesn't count towards the regular season. This is still an exhibition, in my opinion. Um, I, I got some flack for that. But um, I think this is a great opportunity to promote the league. And you got to make these type of grand gestures or take these risks, I should say, when you're a league like the WNBA that needs to – figure out ways to gain more interest to a broader audience. So I kind of liked what the product was last night, especially. I really do believe ultimately that it's a positive for the league to be able to have more opportunities. You're expanding your overall footprint in a way that I think matters. I do think there's a fair amount of back and forth about where and how the game itself was televised. And You know, to me, a lot of people tend to have tunnel vision when it comes to the WNBA and say, you know, this is a WNBA issue. And of course, we know it's not. This is a thing that leads all over are battling with. Uh, Do you see just hypothetically, you know, you go into a next TV deal uh, where the Commissioner's Cup is a value add proposition for somebody who's buying it all and just related to that. How significant do you think to the growth of people caring about it? Does it matter that it's on a more visible TV network rather than Amazon Prime? Or is this a viable option here in the 2020s? I'm just wondering where you fall on that particular spectrum in general. I think that it's great to have multiple platforms that are willing to invest in the WNBA or women's sports in general when it comes to TV deals. At the same time, I like my content to be more centralized. And one of the things that I've, it's so difficult, Howard, because Amazon is also a controversial place for people to watch. Like people don't want to sign up for Amazon video because of who is attached to it in Jeff Bezos. You know, I know that a lot of, I see that all the time. Like I can't believe I have to sign up for Amazon in order to watch this game. And I don't, and this is the thing that like I was on TV last year during the finals and one, and there's, one of those interviews where the host doesn't know that much about the WNBA, but they just wanted to throw on a segment um, about the sky. And they said to me like, so do you, so it seems like the interest is finally there. And I said, 
No, the interest is there. It's just that you don't have to go on ESPN 47 anymore to watch a WNBA <laughs> game. And uh, I haven't been invited back since then. <laughs> um, but um, but I think, I mean, you just can't have like nine different places to watch games and expect to have your audience be able to invest in every single thing. I mean, it's tough. I mean, we talk about cutting the cord. Yeah. It feels like we're going back to it by having to sign up for all these different packages. And I think that is not a WNBA issue, that it's just something that streaming services are going to have to combat at a certain point because it's not like there's one place you can go to for everything now, like Netflix was seven to ten years ago. So I, I, I keep – I think I'm in. I think I'm all in on the Major League Soccer model. Uh, especially given the amount of money involved. And for those of you who don't know uh, among the listeners, Major League Soccer signed a deal that pays them as a lead $250 million a year, and everything's going to be on Apple TV. And it's one place, and it's a lot of money, but Major League Soccer is not going to be on ESPN or on Fox Sports or any of the bigger, more established places. Uh, If the WNBA were to sign a similar deal, you would be limiting potentially the occasional casual look that people are going to get for, you know, things like the all-star game or the WNBA finals. And without a doubt, when you look at the numbers, you know, who's watching the WNBA finals, who's watching the WNBA all-star game. Anytime it jumps from ESPN two to ESPN, there's a jump. Every time you jump from ESPN to ABC, there's a further jump. But I just, my bigger question is how many of those people, are sticking around to then be not just watching, but having to follow the six different places you got to go to become a more passionate follower of the game and watch them regularly. I, I don't know that that method works. And I know I'm speaking to you here from the next. Well, what are we doing at the next? We're building a thing where we cover everything all the time. One place, it shows up in your email box. And it's building the habit. Well, I know from our open rates and the percentage of people who sign up for what we're doing, and then they read everything. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, Todd Gerklowski, and I know this is sort of off topic, Todd Gerklowski writes about the Patriot League for us. We send out a Patriot League email, and he has this type of intricate detail. And there's nothing against the Patriot League. My, I have a deep, abiding, passionate love for the Patriot League. But our open rates for Todd Gerklowski's Patriot League stories are north of 40% of our email list in the same way that when we write about Diana Taurasi or Sue Bird, the way it is so popular to do, also north of 40%. It's whatever the people who read, who care about this are reading everything. And so I say that not to brag about us, although obviously we're great, but like to say about like, for the WNBA, put yourself in one place and get that money, right? And turn around and say, here's where we are. We are servicing our strong and growing fan base. And you keep adding people who are the diehards, who are buying the season tickets, who are showing up, who are watching on TV. That seems to me like the way to go. And I didn't always feel that way. And for the longest time, it's been, you know, all right, how do you get ESPN to flip, flip that switch. But number one, I don't think ESPN's going to flip that switch ever. No. I just don't think they're going to do it. They keep having these, you know, the small incremental changes followed by everyone applaud for us. And, 
you see that and you compare it to stuff like NBA Summer League. And it's just, you don't want to talk about an exhibition, James. That's an exhibition. And yet it still gets priority over WNBA games. Yeah, I, I, I've given up on ESPN um, in terms of, I, I love that they've added Alexa Philippou on the digital yeah. end, you know? I mean, that's just like, I can't tell you how much of a huge win that is for the WNBA community and people who digest content through written words. So, million percent. Yeah, but at the same time, I think I think you're right. It should be more centralized. I wonder how much the losses during the COVID, like during 2020 and maybe a little bit in 2021 as well on the revenue end contributes to them having to get creative with their partners on the streaming end or even outside of that. Again, there's mm-hmm. just not a lot of, I mean, there's still some questions to be answered in that sense about how are they making up for that lost revenue? And like, I, I feel like I keep saying this every year, but I'm, I'm always curious about how the WNBA is going to look in the next five years and to see if we're going to have, see that progress where, again, I, I agree with you. I do think if you said like Apple TV is the place or X streaming service is the place where you can get all of your WNBA content, that people you're going to see a flood of people go there. And I mean, think about it, like what the situation is right now. Like we have games on NBA TV, um, you know, we have games on Amazon Prime. You have to pay for League Pass. I mean, I think about YouTube TV, which is what I use. That's $70 a month, okay? I split that between five people, and we somehow make it work. And we have to still coordinate when we can watch it, you know, because we can't have, all be on at the same time. And, sure. then, and then Apple Video, I mean, Amazon Video, I think that's like $10 a month or whatever it is. And then League Pass, I mean, okay, great. You pay $25 for an entire season. That's great. Not everybody has that kind of money. Like there's like, I, I, it is a, that's kind of been an issue. For, I, I feel like is just, if you have to pay for all these things, I know that's probably good for the league. I just don't know if it's always good for the fan. Our managing editor at the next had a great tweet yesterday. The next stitch games. And she's also, this is Jen Hatfield. She's also our mystics beat reporter. The next six games for the mystics are on in order, CBS Sports Network, ESPN, Amazon Prime, Facebook, NBA TV, ESPN Plus. That's the next six where you go to watch them. Even the most devoted people. I mean, we cover the damn league and it's hard for us. How many times have you had those of us in Slack, myself included, where you say, where's this game? How do I watch this game? <laughs> we cover the lead. We cover the lead. And we have this challenge. And I just, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I think it's a really important distinction that we made between, like, are there really talented, important voices at ESPN 1,000% with, are there upper-level decision makers at ESPN who could do for the WNBA what they did for NBA Summer League and just – just have not done it and, and, and just will not do it. And so, so it's, an, I'm glad you made that distinction as well. It's, it, it's aggravating. I'm, you know, I, I have reported that the lead made $1.75 million this year. Um, have I reported that? I don't know. I knew it. <laughs> I didn't see that. If you did, that's a good one. That's a little nugget to drop in there. You get $1.75 million to be on Amazon prime this year. 
And we think, you know, where's the money come from to pay players uh, more of that? Uh, you know, this is how it goes. This is how the deal is made. Is a potential championship and live TV sports in a moment that live TV sports is the only thing that is getting a tremendous amount of money, revenue coming in, a thing that maybe next time around they can get even more for? I like to think so. And so suddenly you're talking about not just big money by comparison to WNBA rookies, but even by comparison with max salaries. It'll be interesting to see how that all goes. I'm fascinated to see it. I do want to talk about, before we go on to the next thing, another revenue stream, and that is uh, one of our revenue streams, betonline.net, which is the fastest and easiest way to check all your betting needs. They had a line for the Commissioner's Cup. You go to a lot of these sites and they have men's sports as if that's it. Bet online is not that way. So it is all your source for odds, lines and games. Uh, find reviews, news of every league. So head to bet online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today, including our action, the women's sports world action. Bet online where the game starts. So the game started and we talked about this a little bit off the air last night with a huge first quarter for the Aces that was hard to overcome. Okay, fine. Aces win 93-83, played better defense, limited Chicago to six of 30 from three, although a lot of those normally go down and maybe we're talking about a different outcome. But I want to go back to a thing I've talked about in the past, which is Jackie Young, 35 minutes, Kelsey Plum, 35 minutes, Asia Wilson, 33 minutes, Chelsea Gray, 32 minutes. Ultimately, outside of the starters, you had Raquana Williams and Tia Stokes at 17. Rupert and Plaisance get, you know, a handful of minutes. Bottom three didn't even play. I mean, how does that work in a five-game series? Does it work in a five-game series against the deepest team in the league, the Chicago Sky? I think it does. And I think naturally your playoff lineups are going to be shorter than your regular season ones. The Aces are actually probably built more as a playoff team than they are a regular season team. And even according to 538's projections that they have a 15% chance of going to the finals, I I think I, I over maybe overestimated um, how significant that those bench woes could potentially be or just not having a, a huge lineup um, or just have a huge, like just having a lot of depth could actually impact them in the playoffs. But at a certain point, you are going to get tired. Like, I think about that when this guy had the biggest comeback in WNBA history on June 21st against the Aces when they were down 28, just how tired that backcourt looked at the end of the game. And I don't know. Like, I, I think that that could be something that like, fatigue could definitely settle like settle in the playoffs, and that could definitely wipe out the Aces. But at the same time, if the games are spaced out enough, which, you know, we'll see. I mean, I think that... We'll, we'll, we could see the Aces actually be able to grind through the playoffs a little bit until, if they make the finals and they're, they're chartered everywhere, they're in a better physical position to be able to play 33, 35 minutes a game. I just think, it, to me, it's even less about the fatigue. It's more about the strategy, like where you are throwing out the same looks pretty much every single time. You can game plan against the same five-person personnel that you yeah. put out there, where with the Sky, I mean, you have okay, well, Kelsey Plum started to go off in that first quarter. She, I think she had, what, like nine points in the first few minutes of the game. 
the sky went with Rebecca Gardner, who's started to pick her up full court. Like the aces just don't have that type of X factor off the bench outside of, I would argue probably Raquana Williams. Um, but again, they didn't utilize her as much last night. So it is going to be interesting to see how the aces go about just being like, look, this is our team. This is how we play. And we're going to beat you this way, whether that gets us to the finals or not. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I agree with everything that you're saying here. I just ultimately think when you go into a five game series, there are adjustments, there are counter adjustments, even just beyond that fatigue, I, I, I think it's really a challenge come playoff time. It's going to be fascinating. To me, it's one of the great unanswered questions as we head into the post-August 14th world where we get to see this. Vegas, undeniably talented, best starting five in the league. Is that enough? And and we're going to find out. It's going to be fascinating. I'm really eager to see it, to be sure. So as you, as you move beyond just what happened tonight and Chicago goes about figuring out what they are over the rest of the season. They're 21 and seven. Like you said, this is not a game that even counted in the standings from that perspective. What are you most interested in getting answered over the remaining uh, eight games of the season here? And just to set the record, you got the Liberty at home at Connecticut next week on Sunday, or this coming Sunday, I should say, Mystic Sun and Storm in a homestand at Vegas, and then that tantalizing one at Phoenix, which could be a combination game that matters for seeding for you, for you, for Chicago, seeding that should matter for, I, I mean, you in the beat sense, yeah. seeding that should matter for Hayden <laughs> Silly, who is covering the Mercury, of course, for the next as well. And then on top of it, you've got the potential for a lottery pick for the Chicago sky if they manage to beat the Mercury. I feel like James Wade should just win executive of the year almost just for that, um, that, that Phoenix pick. But um, I want to go back to something real quick though, because I do think the sky know who they are. You know, I, I don't think this is about them figuring out what their identity is. They know what their identity is to me. And I, honestly, this is a sentiment that they've echoed over the last couple of weeks, they still don't feel like they've played their a complete 40 minutes in maybe outside of that LA Sparks game where they just obliterated the LA um, a few weeks ago. But to me, like th- this is a team that can beat you in multiple ways. But I did think the one thing I took away from the that Aces game again, I didn't t- have. I'm not going to let recency bias completely bear hug me here. There was just wasn't – I just didn't think that there was enough takeaways for me where it's like, okay, look, if this guy goes six for 30 from beyond the arc, if Allie Quigley, what, she went 0 for 6 from beyond the arc, I want to say, I think that's what the her final stat line was. It's like – It's a, a, a very Allie Quigley like one for five from three. I mean, how often do you see that? Now, no, now no. just – were they open threes and she just didn't hit them the way she normally does? Oh, I mean, well, this was the entire team though. Like this wasn't even just yeah. Ali Quigley. I mean, Courtney Vandersloot had a little bit of rust coming back from her first game since going down with the concussion mm-hmm. like four games ago. Um, and yeah, I mean, again, when you, when you're not hitting that shot and look, the Scott, I think this guy 48.2% of their points come in the paint and opponents just stop respecting your spacing because you're just clunking shots from beyond the arc. They're able to take, they're able to pack the paint and they're able to take away the highest percent shot that you have. 
And when Allie Quigley is like, isn't, you know, scorching the earth, which again, like outside of that really tough start for her at the regular season, she really has come alive as of late. I mean, I think at one point she was shooting over 40% after shooting like 16% from three. So that's right. when the spacing isn't there, that's when this team starts to take more, like just take more contested shots. Um, and, you know, even like someone like Kalia Copper, I think she went into that, that game shooting over 41% from beyond the arc. Like they, they have shooters on this team. They lost by 10. Um, they, they won the turnover battle. They went, they got to the free throw line more on the aces. Alamond, yeah. 0 for 3 from the field. And to me, I don't even view it as a negative takeaway. I, you know, she's going to make her shots. The takeaway for me was 18 minutes she played, six assists, no turnovers. Yeah, exactly. I mean, she has been so steady for them. There's just not going to be a lot of games like this where Courtney Vandersloot in that first quarter, I mean, she just looked like she hadn't played basketball in a little bit, which makes sense because she hadn't played basketball in a little bit. And mm-hmm. There's just not going to be a lot of games where she comes out and looks like that. I mean, this guy lost by 10. They were down 25 to 4 at one point. Look, that's not a good start. They can't. I think Candace Parker had a great quote where she said, I'm not worried about us overcoming adversity. I worry about us getting ourselves into adverse situations. And if the Sky are able to avoid that and, and not just let the Aces go on that torrid start that they had. They had a late on a couple of rotations, leaving Kelsey Plum wide open. Look, this team knows what its identity is. They still have their starting unit in fourth quarters has a ridiculous 21.3 net rating in the fourth quarter this year. Like, look, I'm just not going to be worried about this team because they do rise up when the challenge is there. It just didn't happen last night. So bottom line, bottom line, you just watch the Aces beat the sky on the Sky's home court. Who's winning a five-game series between these two, if we were talking today? I still feel pretty confident in where the Sky are at. And I know that Asia Wilson just took it to them yesterday. I mean, 17-17 along with six blocks. I mean, that was just a ridiculous... I'm surprised she didn't win the Commissioner's Cup MVP. But I still think that the Sky, if they're able to and James Wade's going to hate me for saying this, but I do think if they're able to start hitting from beyond the arc at a more consistent clip, mm-hmm. that I don't think there's a team in this league that's going to be able to stop them. I mean, again, like they're Emma Mieseman has probably the most unstoppable shot in basketball right now, which is that fadeaway on the baseline. That's like from 12 feet out that honestly makes up for some of those shooting woes from beyond the arc, just because of how efficient she's been from that area. And Again, they just can throw you so many different looks. They can handle physicality from teams and by playing bigger lineups. They can go small. I mean, we've seen, I think there was a lineup out there with Courtney Vandersloot, Ali Quigley, and Julie Alamon last night. I mean, they'll, they're willing to go small. And they can throw you so many different looks. I take that over the team that, kind of like Phoenix last year, where it, they they are what they are and there's not much adjustments they're going to really be able to make because they have to play the same personnel. So I take this guy in, in when it comes to a five game series between them and the aces. My only caveat to everything you just said is the most unstoppable shot in basketball. I think right now you're going to get to see this weekend. It's Han Shu. It's trying to block somebody <laughs> six foot 10, able to shoot it from anywhere. She's um, unbelievable. Oh my God. I'm so, I mean, she makes the Liberty bearable to watch for me. Like she's just 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Liberty fans. I didn't mean to poke the bear there. You can get me later. <laughs> but she's been on so Twitter fun. at James underscore M underscore K. But be gentle. James is a really nice guy. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yes, we'll, we'll agree to disagree. I, I uh, Steph Dolson alone would make that team fun to watch. And there's this Sabrina person who I think is. Um, I'll have to look her up. Yeah, yeah. yeah we check it out. Um, speaking of things to be on your radar, we obviously thank you for making Locked on Women's Basketball your first listen Every day, obviously, you're subscribing to us wherever you get your podcasts or over on YouTube or honestly both. Enjoy us in both audio and video. Why not? You know, you can even sync them up and really, you know, get the full experience. But once you've done that, once you've listened to us each weekday, there is and this is crazy. James, you're how old? I am. Hold on. Let me check my watch. I'm uh, 26 years old. (laughs) So you were how old when the Chicago Bulls, who... And again, just to be clear about this, the Chicago Bulls are a professional basketball team. They play in, it's called the National Basketball Association. Mm-hmm. They won a championship in 1998. How old were you then? I was just over three years old. Three years old. Do you have any memories of it? Do you remember uh, that three-peat, the second three-peat? I have no memory of that three P. I know I, the only memory I have is Michael Jordan, a, Mike, a huge Michael Jordan poster staring at me in my crib at one point. That's uh, that's it, Howard. <laughs> Interesting. Jordan, for those who don't know, kind of the Ali Quigley of men's basketball. And so obviously somebody um, who, you know, you can go back in time and look at. But what's interesting to me, I just found this out. Obviously, within basketball in Chicago, you think the sky, but the Bulls are still at it. And you can keep up with what the Chicago Bulls are doing, which is, you know, falling short of what the Chicago Sky do regularly with your second listen every day at Locked On NBA. It's the latest news and rumors in the NBA in just 30 minutes every day. Locked on NBA, your daily NBA update in just 30 minutes. Uh, thank you, James K., for bringing us inside everything that's happened. I'm so glad you highlighted what Candace Parker had to say. Uh, Candace, you know, I, she should probably pursue a media career, I think. That's something she ought to look at. Um, yeah. Maybe get word to her. Diamond in the rough, man. Diamond in the rough. <laughs> that's true. But everyone, make sure you're following with James underscore M underscore K on Twitter is doing the Skyhook podcast. Uh, the Tribune is smart enough to bring him in and should do so even more. Uh, quite frankly, as should everyone, everyone should hire James K. Uh, and I put my money where my mouth is because James is the beat reporter at the next covering the, the sky and just doing a bang up job. Uh, thank you all for listening. Make sure you tune in. We got some fun stuff the rest of the week. We're going to have a Liz Cambage show coming up should probably be a series at the very minimum (laughs) it looks like a WNBA player coming and joining us as well very excited to tease that thank you for making us your first listen every day we will be talking to you soon head to thenetstoops.com for your fix in the meantime I'm Howard Magdal wishing you a wonderful Wednesday Locked On Women's Basketball, your daily podcast on women's basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.